Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. This is your host, Joel Dover, and welcome to Season 3. Hey, we study Bible prophecy here from a dispensational, pre-tribulational, premillennial point of view, and we're always rapture ready. Grab your copy of God's Word and let's jump in together to see what the Lord has for us here on the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. Well, hello, friends. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It means it's time for yet another episode of the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. And here in Season 3, we're having a good time going through the book of Revelation. I'd like to invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word. We're going to be looking today at Revelation chapter 6. And this is such an interesting passage as we get into chapter 6, 7, and 8, talking about the seal judgments and seeing what the Lord has for us as we begin to really get into the outpouring of judgment, uh, the unveiling of the seals here, the breaking of the seals, the pouring out of judgment in the beginning of the tribulation period. We're going to try to get through chapter 6 today, maybe as we uh, kind of watch the clock in recording here, maybe we'll get some into chapter 7, but we're going to do basically a quick overview of the six seals of Revelation chapter 6. When we get to chapter 7, there is a uh, brief interlude, and we're going to see that in the structure of these judgments. There's um, there's typically an interlude uh, that comes either uh, between them or at the end of them. So again, as we get deeper into it, we'll be pointing that out to you. Remember, as we take up our text today, John has been called into heaven. He was permitted to walk through the door of heaven. He sees God there on his throne, has a throne room vision, just beautiful throne room vision of God there. The Lord, of course, radiating with all kinds of beautiful colors like uh, bright light, shining of the rainbow, sardis, jasper, those kind of things. And the Lamb, of course, is uh, coming into the presence of the Father. The uh, cry comes out in heaven, who is worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals. No one in heaven, uh, in the earth, under the earth was worthy. There's great weeping in heaven there at the throne and with the 24 elders around him. And then, of course, the lamb, uh, he comes forth as uh, having been slain. He was deemed worthy to take the scroll. And now in chapter 6, we find that the lamb, Jesus, the Christ, the lamb crucified for the sins of the world, is in possession of the scroll in John's vision. And we're going to see that he begins to break open the seals of each scroll. And of course, as each seal is broken over, what we're going to be seeing is the unfolding of a brand new outpouring of judgment. Now, remember, friends, the tribulation uh, is unique. We, we all experience, of course, in our lives, even believers, we experience tribulations and trials and hardships and suffering. But we know that in life, these things come from the enemy, that is Satan, and also from our own flesh and our fallen nature, the broken, fallen world that we live in. What makes the tribulation period, the 70th week of Daniel, so unique is that the tribulation is coming from God. It is the Lord pouring out tribulation. And I want to just remind you that it's my understanding that the most consistent view of the gospel is that the church is raptured out of the world. It's taken out of the uh, equation before the beginning of the tribulation. Why, Why in the world would the Lord save us, pour the wrath of our punishment and sin upon the shoulders of Jesus, and then subject his people to the tribulation period, which is the outpouring of God's wrath for sin. It, it, it's um, it's inconsistent with the gospel. So I believe, of course, that as a pre-trib, uh, pre-millennial believer, that we are taken out. Um, we uh, The church is in heaven with the Lord, awaiting the second coming, while these things are being poured out upon the earth. So again, think about uh, these three. Actually, there are four series of judgments. The thunder judgments are uh, sealed up in, even in this book, but we're going to see Uh, The beginning of the judgments start here with the breaking of the seven seals. We'll look at six of them today. So 
Think about this scroll that the lamb receives from the father. Think of it as written on front and back. Roll it up a little, add a wax seal, roll it some more, add a wax seal, roll it some more, add a wax seal seven times so that as you break the seal, you can unroll the scroll a certain distance until you come to the next seal. That's uh, what I want you to imagine as the Lord is beginning to break open these seals. Well, let's get into it. Revelation chapter 6, of course, I'll be reading, as is my custom, out of the New King James Bible. I trust that you'll follow along and listen, or that you'll follow along in your copy of God's Word. So, beginning in Revelation 6, the Bible reads, Now I saw, that's John, remember? John having the revelation, he's having the vision, he's still in the heavenly throne room. The Bible says, Now I saw when the Lamb, that is Jesus, opened one of the seals, this is seal number one, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like thunder, Come and see. Verse two, And I looked, and behold, a white horse, he who sat on it, had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So as we see the first seal broken, it's evident that we're talking about some kind of uh, person who comes into authority. I mean, think about these uh, symbols of authority, of kingship that we've seen throughout the scripture, uh, the uh, crown representing authority, the bow representing uh, warring. And the scripture says specifically here that this one goes out on a white horse, conquering and to conquer. One of the four living creatures here invites John to come and take a look at the result of the breaking of the first seal. This particular person, and by the way, note in uh, chapter 6, it's singular, he, it's not them, it's not representative of a nation or a government, it's a person, okay? It's a he, it's a singular he. He goes out on the white horse, he has a bow, a crown, that is authority, uh, is given to him, and he goes out conquering and to conquer. Now, friends, I want to say to you that uh, the Bible does not specifically say who this is. And so we bring some interpretive speculation here. We're using our best guesses, our best judgment as to who this person is. An acquaintance of mine on social media believes that uh, this represents the beginning of uh, the war on terror that began uh, way back after September 11th, 2001. Um, his timing is wrong with the seven years of uh, tribulation, but I, I just want to point out to you there are different points of view as to what this is. I believe that the first seal, the breaking of the first seal, is the rise of the Antichrist, most certainly the rise of false Christ, who goes out, who conquers, uh, who has authority. Uh, we're talking about, uh, if you remember from our Daniel study, a revitalized Roman Empire, uh, the rise of globalism. And of course, friends, I want you to remember that there's a specific sequence of events that makes all this possible. I mean, think about it. You've got the Psalm 83 war, which uh, eliminates, in my understanding, a number of nations surrounding Israel. Then, of course, you have the rapture of the church. Uh, when that chaos, 2.5 million Christians disappear in one day, that kind of chaos leads to uh, globalism. There's war, probably the Ezekiel 38 war that breaks out in the Middle East. Uh, the Antichrist rises. This 10-nation conglomerate creates peace. I mean, there's a lot of chaotic things that are going to be happening in what I think is a, a very swift period of time that makes the rise of the Antichrist possible. Now, remember also that the rise of the Antichrist takes place at the beginning of the tribulation. So that's why we think that this breaking of the first seal refers to the Antichrist. In the Thessalonian letters, we find that the restrainer is removed, right? That's the rapture of the church, according to my understanding. And when the restrainer is removed, who presently restrains, then the Antichrist will rise. And we know that the Antichrist comes on the scene at the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel, because the tribulation period begins with the peace treaty that he makes with Israel. So most certainly, friends, the breaking of the first seal is 
the rise of the Antichrist, or at least his uh, his activation, if you will, his activation to conquer, uh, to rule over the world, these kind of things. And he goes out conquering and to conquer. The second seal is in chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. The Bible reads, When he opened the second seal, speaking of Jesus, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, and here's the second horse, friends, another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat to, who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. So I believe that, of course, as we're reading about these horsemen, we're reading about the riders on the horses, what they do, I'm believing that what we're seeing here and where we should focus is on the outcome here. There seems to be an outbreak of warfare, of murder, of violence on a large scale. So when the second seal is broken and the second creature says to John, come and see, the fiery red horse goes out. The rider of that horse is granted, listen, the ability to take peace from the earth, okay? And the result of that is that there's great violence in the earth. People are killing one another. Um, he's given a great sword. So, you know, violence and all these things. Again, what we don't know is how the uh, sequence of events, the Gog-Magog equation, these kind of things, plays into the proximity of the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation period. So there's some question mark about you know exactly where all these things fall on the on the prophetic timeline, but what we're seeing here is that there's going to be a lack of peace, a removal of peace upon the earth. Then we come to the third seal, chapter six, verse five and six. The Bible says, "When he opened the third seal, this is Jesus breaking seal three. I heard the third living creature say, "Come and see." So I looked and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil or the wine. So it would seem that with the breaking of the third seal, that there is a scarcity that comes upon the earth in the form of a famine. And of course, that would lead to a hardship just to survive. So John, again, is invited to come and see Jesus has broken the third seal, the Lamb of God. The black horse goes forth with the scales in his hand. The values that are given here in this scripture are exceedingly high. A quart of wheat for a denarius, expensive. Three quarts of barley for a denarius, expensive. But do not harm the oil and the wine. So there seems to be, with the breaking of seal number three, widespread famine upon the earth, scarcity and hardship. Seal number four, verse seven and verse eight the Bible says, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death and by the beast of the earth. Now it's getting interesting, isn't it? When Jesus opens the fourth seal of this heavenly scroll, the fourth creature, of course, inviting John to come and look, see the results, John, come look at the results. John looks and sees the pale horse go out, and the rider on this pale horse is named in the scripture. It is, uh, it is death himself, and the Bible says that Hades, or hell, follows with him. And so when death goes out into the world, power is given over to him over one-fourth of the earth. So think about one-fourth of the earth killed with these particular and specific things, with sword, which would represent violence and warfare, with hunger, which of course represents starvation, and with death. Now, in the Greek, it's interesting, this idea of death means bearing out the consequences of their sin. Uh, so whatever their uh, particular sins are, they're, they're consequences leading into death. The Bible says there's sin which leads to death and sin which does not lead to death. These lead to death. And then fourthly, by the beasts of the earth. So I think that um, 
it's important when we look at the original language of the Bible to recognize that the beasts of the earth can be interpreted validly as literal beasts of the earth, like um, the animals turn on men and begin to you know tear them limb from limb, or even somewhat metaphorically, where we're speaking of both beastly and wild men. I I tend to, um, and you know this if you've listened to my teaching at all, I tend to err on the side of literal interpretation, unless there is a specific reason in the scripture that we should take it in any other way besides its plain literal meaning. In fact, let me just take an aside here for a moment and say, friends, that when you're studying the Bible, always interpret the Bible according to its plain, natural, and most literal meaning. Don't read a text and jump to allegory, jump to conclusions, jump to symbolism. Don't do that. Just take it in its plain, literal meaning. And of course, someone will say, well, the Bible's full of allegory. Yes, it is. But the Bible, when the Bible is allegorical, the Bible gives you textual clues that it's supposed to be interpreted allegorically. If you don't see those, then don't try to make something um, in its plain sense, something other than that. Someone said, uh, take the Bible in its plain sense, lest you fall into nonsense. Okay, So I want you to uh, remember, take the Bible literally. Read it literally. God is precise in the writing in the Scripture. So again, sword, hunger, death, and the beasts of the earth. One-fourth of all of the earth, that is the inhabitants of the, of the population of the earth, die. So 25% okay, uh, pass away. And it's so interesting, now we're starting to see um, really more severe. It's like a ramping up, if you will, of these uh, the severity of these judgments. The fifth seal is in verse 9, 10, and 11. Let's read it together. The Bible says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So the fifth seal is the revelation of the tribulation martyrs. We know, of course, that the church is raptured out of the world at the beginning of the tribulation, as we understand the teaching of Scripture. But I want to remind you that people will be saved during the tribulation. Now, the church is removed. The Holy Spirit in the church, its influence, the influence of 2.5 billion Christians across the globe, that's significant. And when the Lord takes the church out of the way, the Holy Spirit's influence in the world through the church is removed, Antichrist can rise, and it's just going to be amazing uh, what people will accomplish. I, I think we underestimate the restraining influence of the church in our communities and uh, in the world around us today. So uh, Jesus opens the fifth seal, and we see that there are martyrs there. So in the tribulation, friends, here's what's going to happen. Mark my words. There are some husbands right now that will not go to church. Their wives have been beating them on the heads for 20 years, telling them to get serious about Jesus, preaching the gospel. They've resisted, resisted, resisted. I'm telling you, when the rapture comes and those wives disappear, the first place those men are going to go is to their wife's Bible, and they're going to go to the last book because it's the last chapter. They're going to be reading the, the very end of the book first. So they're going to go to the book of Revelation, these things that we're uh, talking about right now. They're going to be more up to date than tomorrow's newspaper, and they will be saved. Many will be saved, Jew and Gentile, in the tribulation period. So unfortunately, we know that the tribulation period is going to be an excessively difficult time for those who meet the Lord during that period. The Bible is specific here that these are martyrs. They were killed, and of course their, their souls are 
contained there under the altar where the Lord dwells, but they were killed for the word of the Lord and for their testimony. So they didn't chicken out when times got tough. And then the voices of the martyrs cry out, How long, O Lord, how much longer, holy and true God, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? God gives them a white robe to each of them that they should rest a little while longer. And something interesting here. The Bible says that the Lord replies and says, Rest a little while longer until the number of your fellow servants and your brethren uh, is completed. That is, there are more that will be martyred, but the Lord knows the number of them. The Lord has foreknowledge, friends. The the Lord knows today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, 100 years from now. He knows the end from the beginning. And so what that means is, listen, in the same way that the Lord knows when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, when the last Gentile who will be saved will be saved, and he knows when the church age is over and it's time to start the clock again on Israel and their spiritual renewal to rapture the church out to begin the tribulation. Look, Look, the Lord knows the number of martyrs that will be martyred. He knows everything with precision, okay? So I want you to uh, just think about the sovereignty of God. Think about the um, the omniscience of the Lord, his all-knowing nature. Think about how he knows what's already going to happen. And because he has foreknowledge and knows the future, he knows when it's been completed. So again, uh, once the martyrdom is complete, then the Lord would avenge. We'll see that later in the book of Revelation. That brings us to the sixth seal. We're in chapter 6, verse 12 to 17, where the Bible says, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded up like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of place, and kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Notice, friends. Jesus breaks the sixth seal. John is invited once more to come and see, and he sees a great earthquake across the earth. The sun then becomes black as sackcloth of hair. The moon becomes like blood. So so think about it. The sun is not going to shine here, and the moon turns red like blood. So the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by the wind. My neighbor, a few houses up, has a fig tree. Man, it's huge. It's probably 12 feet tall and 12 feet around. And when it is loaded with figs, they fall just this way. The wind blows and they just fall to the ground. They're so heavy and ready to drop. The stars of heaven, the Bible says, will do the same thing as they fall to the earth. The sky will be receded like a scroll. That is, in a a way that a scroll or a piece of paper is rolled up, the sky will be rolled up. Every mountain, the Bible says, every island will be relocated, moved out of place. And when these cosmic things, these disturbances in the cosmos take place here, the Bible says every man will hide himself. And it's interesting. This is the uttermost to the guttermost. Kings of the earth, great men, rich men, commanders, mighty men. Then every slave, every free, all of them, every man will hide themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. They will beg the rocks to fall on them and to hide them from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, let me point out a couple of things here. Uh, They acknowledge the existence, the presence, the power um, of of the Lord God. It's not that they're denying the Lord. They just want to be hidden from him. 
Rather than submitting to the Lord, they would just as soon hide from the Lord. Okay, it's Garden of Eden 101 all over again. And the Bible is very specific and reminds us what the tribulation period is. Notice that in verse 12 to 17, the Bible says that this is the wrath of the Lamb. Friends, the tribulation period is the outpouring of the wrath of God upon men. Again, it is inconsistent with the gospel that believers would experience the outpouring of God's wrath. That's why I believe, since we've been promised in the Scripture in numerous places that we've been redeemed, that we've passed from death to life, that we will, uh, that we are not destined for wrath. In fact, the promise uh, to the Revelation churches is that if they endure to the end, they will be rescued or spared from the wrath which is to come upon all the earth. I believe that's the rapture. I believe the church is taken out. Uh, listen, it's inconsistent with the gospel that the church would experience the outpouring of God's wrath. Why? We've been redeemed. Jesus has paid for our wrath. And so I just want you to think about that. Okay, so those are the first six seals. And again, we want to do just a very brief overview of this. And I'd like to move quickly into uh, a quick look at chapter 7 as we, again, just work very quickly through this chapter. Kind of an overview flyby from 10,000 feet. The Bible says in chapter 7, after these things. Now, there's that key phrase again, metatelta in the Greek, after these things. So that is after the breaking of the six seals, right? I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth or the sea or on any tree. Man, I'm telling you, things get very, very still. Verse 2, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth of the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of God on their forehead. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Okay, now I want to say to you that before the breaking of the seventh seal and the continued outpouring, the Lord goes through Israel and notes specifically that 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Friends, you need to make a distinction when you study Bible prophecy between Israel and the church. They're not the same. God has promises for Israel. He has promises and purposes for the church. The church has not replaced Israel. They are not the same. The church is not spiritual Israel, and God is not finished with the nation. This is why he regathered them according to the word of prophecy. If you go back and look at uh, Ezekiel 34, 35, 36, 37, you'll read about the regathering of the nation of Israel, which took place in May 14th. 1948, the regathering in the Valley of Dry Bones. Can these bones live again? Dead Israel has come back to life. Their physical restoration has taken place. Now in Revelation 7, we're seeing that in the tribulation, there's going to be a spiritual renewal as well in the nation of Israel. The Bible specifically says that before the breaking of the seventh seal, that the angels are to go out and to mark those who are believers, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. These are Israelites who have come to know the Lord Jesus in the tribulation period. Now, the Bible could not be more specific about this. Verse 5, 6, 7, and 8 names the 12 tribes of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. That's clear. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin, 144,000 of the tribes of Israel sealed Unto the Lord, that is, those who are the servants of God, sealed because they have been born again in the tribulation period. Now, there are also uh, those who are sealed 
from the Gentile multitude, okay, during this time. Now, again, these are those, I believe, these are those who are saved in the tribulation period. Right now, Israel's not walking with the Lord. Right now, there are not probably not 144,000 among the tribes that are followers of Mashiach, Nagid, Messiah, the King, in the nation of Israel. But there will be a wonderful spiritual renewal. Now, look at verse 9. After these things, there's that phrase again, Medetelta, I looked and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and palm branches in your hand, in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Okay, so specific sealings in Israel. No doubt that they're saved out of Israel. Then in verse 9, we see a multitude, and they're standing before the Lord in heaven. And the Bible begins by saying, after these things. Well, after what things? After John saw these six seals in the Revelation vision, there's a great multitude from the nations, and it's so large that no one can number them. Now, notice here that they are before the throne, and they're before the Lamb. And where's that located? That's in heaven. Notice that they're wearing white robes, and they have palm branches in, your, in their hands, representing purity and peace. They're crying out, praising the Lord. Salvation belongs to our God. God save, Hosanna. That's what Hosanna means. God save us. This is reminiscent, of course, of Palm Sunday. And when this happens, the angels bow down, the four living creatures, the elders, they all bow down and they worship the Lord. Well, the questions are, who are these people? And secondly, where did they come from? And so we're going to see the answer here, beginning in verse 13. One of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? There's the two questions. 14, I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones, listen, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tears from their eyes. Did you catch that? These are Gentiles, people of every tribe, tongue, and nation before the throne of the Lamb, praising the Lord. Hosanna, God save. Uh, the elders bowing down, worshiping together. Who are they? Where did they come from? These are the ones, the Bible says, who came out of the great tribulation and who washed their robes and made them white in what? In the blood of the Lamb. These are saved people. And as I understand the scripture, listen, these are people who missed the rapture, but they were saved during the tribulation period. And that's such wonderful news. The Bible's specific here. These come out of the great tribulation and they are from the Gentile multitude. So look, put this together. Chapter seven, what are we seeing? This tribulation, the outpouring of God's wrath, the breaking of these six seals, what does it lead to? It leads to spiritual renewal and revival in the nation of Israel, 144,000 from every tribe of Israel sealed unto Mashiach Nagid, Messiah, the king, born again and ready for heaven. And also the multitude from the Gentile nations who are saved during the tribulation period. Specifically, the Bible says that saved during the great tribulation. And now they are, of course, uh, standing before the Lord, worshiping with white-washed robes. 
I think it's so encouraging, friends. The Lord raptures his church out before the tribulation. Believers, uh, the church is spared God's wrath, but there are people who will be saved, praise God, during the tribulation period and will meet us in the heavens. Now, they're treated in a different way. I want you to notice well how they are treated. The Bible says that because of where they came from, because of what they've gone through, verse 15 they are before him uh, night and day. They serve the Lord night and day in his temple, okay? And he speaks of their hardship. They won't hunger anymore, thirst anymore. The sun won't strike them, nor any heat, etc., etc. The Lord will shepherd them, lead them to living fountains of water, wipe away every tear from their eyes. So we're going to stop here, chapter 6 and chapter 7. We begin to see the breaking of the seals in the tribulation. And then, of course, we see those sealed out of Israel and out of the Gentile nations, Next time, as we get into chapter 8, we'll look at the breaking of the seventh seals, which actually opens up a whole new set of judgments. So the seventh seal is the beginning of the trumpet judgments. Okay, friends, I want to thank you for listening. We're going to track passage by passage, verse by verse through all of this. I encourage you, take notes, ask questions, feel free to send me questions, comments, and of course, your cries of outrage. I'm even open to that. And uh, just pray you'll continue to study with us as we try to determine what it is that the Lord has said, what it means, and how we apply it properly to our lives. Hey, let me ask you, is there someone in your life who would benefit from this kind of Bible study? Someone who you think would like to track through this study and others with us? I wonder if you'd share the broadcast. Maybe you could share it with your pastor or a small group leader, a Sunday school teacher, friend, family member, or coworker. Would you tell someone about the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast? Maybe you'd share this podcast on social media and help your friend list find this kind of Bible teaching. I just want to encourage you to continue to come back and listen week after week. We try to drop new episodes every Wednesday right here at the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. And we pray the Lord will bless you richly. Have a great week. See you next time. Mm-hmm.